Hello, welcome to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker, and my goal on this podcast is to give you down-to-earth Bible teaching so that you can follow Jesus right where you live. It's what I call blue jeans theology. That is theology in the language of everyday life that's connected to everyday life so that you can follow Jesus in your everyday life. And I'm so glad that you're uh, tuning in and you're listening to this podcast and joining me for this episode. On this episode, we're going to start a brand new series, a little three-part series on faith and lessons on faith, specifically lessons on faith from the prophet Habakkuk. And the reason for that is because really growing in uh, our walk with God, growing as a disciple is ultimately growing in faith. And so Habakkuk has some incredible lessons for us on faith. And so we'll be looking at that starting in this episode for the next few episodes. But before we jump into that, I wanted to let you know about a special opportunity, particularly if you're a pastor, a minister of any kind, a church leader of some sort, then coming up on January 28th, in just a couple of weeks, I am going to be offering a free workshop for pastors and church leaders on five key necessary shifts you need to make for your church to be a disciple-making church. Five necessary shifts you need to make if your church is going to be a disciple-making church completely free. And the link to that is discipleshipworkshop.net. Discipleshipworkshop.net. I will put that down in the notes down below. And I am super excited to kind of walk through that process that material. It'll be an online workshop where you can ask questions, we can engage with each other, and we can think through how we as church leaders and pastors could be more effective at making more and better disciples. So check out the link down below, swing over to that sign up page, sign up for that. That's coming January 21st. All right, with that, let's jump into lessons on faith from the prophet Habakkuk. All right, our walk with God is ultimately about our faith in God. That's what God wants ultimately from us is faith. Uh, he wants us to live by faith, walk by faith. In fact, at the root of humankind's problem from the Garden of Eden on is a lack of trust, breaking faith with our Creator. And so growing in faith, walking by faith is central to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so in this series that we're launching on this episode, we just want to look at a few lessons, obviously not everything. We're not going to be able to say close to everything about faith, but we're going to look at a few lessons on faith from the prophet Habakkuk. Now, why Habakkuk? Uh, why study him? Why lessons on faith from Habakkuk? Who is Habakkuk? And my guess is it's not a Bible book that most of us read very often, right? It's a very short, small, three-chapter little book in the Minor Prophets section of the Old Testament. And yet, Habakkuk really becomes central in some ways to key parts of New Testament theology. There's a line in Habakkuk 2 that gets repeated in some of Paul's writings, and really, we can learn a ton about faith from Habakkuk because of the situation that Habakkuk was living under. 
So what was that situation? Well, a little bit of the backstory, all right? We don't know a whole lot about Habakkuk the person, Habakkuk the man, but from reading his book, we get a pretty clear idea of the backstory. Habakkuk is living and writing shortly before the Babylonian invasion of Judah in around 610 to 605 BC. So about 600 years before Jesus is when Habakkuk lived and Habakkuk wrote. And in order to understand what we're talking about, you got to know a little bit of Old Testament history. All right. So real quick history lesson. The Old Testament tells the story of Israel and Israel, when they entered into the promised land, right, one nation, multiple tribes, but one one nation, well, eventually they cry out for a king. They have three kings in succession, King Saul, King David, King Solomon. And after King Solomon's death, the nation of Israel splits into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom, which typically goes by uh, the title Israel in the Old Testament, and the southern kingdom, which typically goes by the title Judah. And so the nation of Israel has sort of an American experience and splits into north and south, all right? And so you get northern kingdom, southern kingdom. Well, over the course of their history, Israel is incredibly unfaithful to God. They keep breaking the covenant with God, and God begins to send them prophets to warn them, hey, remember the covenant? Remember what I said in the covenant? If you keep the covenant, here are the blessings. If you break the covenant, here are the curses. Well, guess what? You're breaking the covenant, and the curses are beginning to come, and the ultimate curse will be exile. They will be expelled from their land, just like Adam and Eve were were expelled from the Garden of Eden. Well, Israel is going to be expelled from the land of promise if they violate the covenant. So the prophets are sent to warn them and to remind them, remember the covenant, keep the covenant, return to your God. That's what the prophets do. Well, the fact is, is Israel can never get their act together. They keep violating the covenant. They keep worshiping other gods. They keep being unfaithful to Yahweh and not keeping the covenant and the law of that covenant. The end result is the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, is ultimately conquered by the Assyrian nation, which at one point in time was the the kind of the superpower of the ancient Near East. And so in 722 B.C., uh, Assyria conquers the northern kingdom. And so by the time we get to Habakkuk, it's been 110, 115 years since the northern kingdom has been completely wiped out, no longer is exists. They're long gone. But Israel, uh, Judah, the southern kingdom, continued for another 100, 110 years, but they continued in their unfaithfulness. They continued breaking the covenant. God has sent the southern kingdom prophets to warn them, look, get your act together or else the curses of the covenant are going to come upon you. Well, Habakkuk is living right towards the end of that. Assyria is no longer the, the superpower of the ancient Near East. Babylon is. And Habakkuk is living and writing right in the shadow of the Babylonian um, captivity of Judah, the Babylonian exile. So it's 610 to 605 BC. Babylon is the, the world superpower in the region. They are now invading all the nations around Judah, and they're threatening to invade Judah, and it's not looking good, okay? So you've got Babylon kind of out there on the outskirts of Judah, that's a bit of a problem. And so we kind of know at least what's going on 
both in Judah, the southern kingdom that remains, and in the political sector around Judah um, because of world history. Now, to zero in on specifically the backstory to Habakkuk himself and to the book itself, it's this. Habakkuk, as a prophet, is looking around at his people, Judah, right? The Jews, they're supposed to be keeping the covenant. They're supposed to be following God and obeying his law, and they're not. And so Habakkuk is looking around, and he sees all the ills of society. He sees injustice. He sees greed. He sees abuse of power. He sees all the wrongs in his culture, in his society, and how these are supposed to be the people of God. And they're not actually doing what God has called them to do. And Habakkuk is deeply troubled and disturbed by all of that in the midst of this evil and this injustice. And then on top of it, he he feels like, God, look at what your people are doing and how they're acting. And you're not doing anything about, about it. That's what's really going on in Habakkuk. That's what lies behind this short little book. And it's into that context then that Habakkuk writes these words, initially speaks these words, but then writes these words down for us so that we can learn lessons on faith from the prophet Habakkuk. In fact, one scholar actually says it's in this context of imminent judgment and unfaithfulness of Judah that Habakkuk provides a model of faith for the remnant of God's people to embrace. And then that model of faith gets passed on, not just to the remnant of Habakkuk's people in Habakkuk's day, but passed on to us today, even in the New Testament scriptures, Habakkuk is called to as a model of faith for us. So let's jump in. And in this episode, I just want to look at the first few verses of the uh, the prophecy of Habakkuk so we can hear what Habakkuk does and says and let that teach us something about faith. So Habakkuk chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 is Habakkuk's initial response to God and it's a prayer. So Habakkuk, unlike many of the other prophets, really what we get is this dialogue between Habakkuk and God. And it begins with Habakkuk's complaint, Habakkuk's words, here in Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Habakkuk prays like this. He says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you don't listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you don't save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict abounds. And therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked him and the righteous so that justice is perverted. So what's Habakkuk's struggle? Well, as we noted in the introduction, Habakkuk struggles this, that God's people are going against God's law, and God doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. And it's troubling to Habakkuk. It's frustrating to him. He's looking around at his city and his people who are supposed to be the people of God, and he's seeing violence, and and he's calling out to God, God, look, can't you see the violence and the the wrongheadedness, how people are wounding each other, and you're not delivering us. God, I call out to you for help, and you're not doing anything about it. God, why do you make me look at injustice? Why why do you yourself, God, tolerate wrongdoing? So Habakkuk's struggle is that he's been praying and talking to God and asking God to do something about all the wrongdoing among the people of God, and God seems silent, and God's not doing anything. Have you ever felt like Habakkuk? 
Have you ever uh, looked around at the world and wondered what in the world is going on? And it seems like injustice is prevailing. It seems like people who are supposed to know better and know what's right are doing wrong and they're participating in injustice. And you're, you want God to act and do something to make it right. Um, and God doesn't seem to be doing anything, and he doesn't seem to be answering your prayers, and you want to pull your hair out, and it's frustrating. Well, that's where Habakkuk is at. Habakkuk knows God's character. He knows that God is a just God, a God, is a God that God is a God who loves righteousness and can't tolerate wrongdoing. He knows all that. He knows that God's law, right, the Torah, the, the, the Genesis through Deuteronomy, his law that he's given to his people is wise and good and right. He knows that as a, a faithful follower of God, and yet God's not acting, and he's trying to reconcile God's inaction with God's character and God's instruction. And Habakkuk is really struggling to figure that out. And so he lays, what does he do? He lays out his complaint to God. And that's what we get here in these first few verses of Habakkuk. We get, we get Habakkuk's prayer, and it's not a warm, sentimental prayer. It's not, you know, a, a prayer of comfort or even a prayer of praise. It's a lament. It's a complaint. Habakkuk laments and complains to God. It's not a lament that says, God, if you're really there, do something. It's not that kind of complaint or lament. It's, God, I don't understand. Things aren't right. Things aren't in keeping with your law and your character. And you're not doing anything about it. And so it's not this lament of, questioning God's existence or questioning God's presence or even questioning God's power. It's questioning, God, why are you inactive? Because this doesn't line up with what you've taught us, what I know about you and what is right. God, I don't understand. Things aren't right. And you're not doing anything about it. And this is faith at work. This is faith genuinely relating to God, not mere formality, not ritualistic piety where you just go through the motions, you just say the words because you're a Christian after all, right? Or in Habakkuk's case, you're a, you're a Jew after all, you're a follower of God's people. But this is honest wrestling with God. It's the kind of thing you would do with maybe a close friend who's also the CEO of the company you work at, and he seems to be ignoring what's going on in the company that's wrong. It's like, Dude, you're, you're, the, you're in charge here. Don't you realize what's going on? And you don't seem to be doing anything about it. This is honest wrestling with God. It's laying out your sincere disappointment and frustration and complaint and lament before God. And this is what faith does. Faith does this. Faith enables us to be frank with God. Faith enables us to be frank with God. In fact, in the New Testament, in the Greek language, the word for this is parousia. It's the Greek word that's usually translated confidence or even boldness, but really what it means is frankness. It means freedom of speech. And so, yes, it's confidence. Yes, it's boldness, but it's confidence and boldness that speaks freely and frankly, in this case, to God himself. You see this word in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. Uh, Ephesians 3.12, the Apostle Paul writes, 
in Jesus, we have boldness. That's parousia. That's frankness. That's confidence. That's freedom of speech. In Jesus, we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Faith gives us both confident access and boldness, frankness, the freedom just to be real with God and to speak honestly, to lay out our complaint before him. Or another passage, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, says this, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. That word confidence there is parousia. It's frankness. It's boldness. It's freedom of speech. So let us draw near to the throne of grace with the confidence to freely speak our mind to God so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And so we come before God freely, openly, honestly, frankly. That's what Habakkuk's doing here in Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. He's laying out his complaint freely, boldly, frankly before God. And this is an important lesson about faith. That faith doesn't have to be always warm feelings, right? Faith isn't always about just feeling good in God's presence. Faith sometimes wrestles with God. Faith sometimes complains to God. Faith sometimes expresses sorrow and lament to God. Complaint and lament are consistent with faith in God. Complaint and lament are consistent with our faith in God. In the scriptures, it's even an expression of our faith in God. We see lament and complaint not only here in Habakkuk, but we see it all throughout the Psalms. In fact, Gordon Fee and Doug Stewart in their book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, say that there are more lament psalms than any other particular kind of psalm. Did you catch that? That as you read through the prayers in the Psalms, there are more prayers of lament in the Psalms than any other kind. There are more prayers of lament than prayers of thanksgiving. There are more prayers of lament than prayers of praise in the Psalms. That lament is just consistent with and an expression of our faith in God. Here's the thing, however. Prayers of lament, both here in Habakkuk and in the Psalms, prayers of lament in the Bible are not prayers of doubt. They are prayers of complaint, asking God for help. It's not that they don't have confidence in God. They're not, they're not questioning God's presence or questioning God's care even, or questioning, you know, does God exist? They are, they are prayers where they they believe in God. They have confidence in God. They know God's character. But God doesn't seem to be acting in keeping with his character. Or God's gone into hiding in silence. And so they are prayers of deep trust, even though circumstances don't line up with what is known about God. That's how prayers of lament work. And as such, Habakkuk's lament shows us that faith complains with a big view of God and his character. That's really, really important. So I hope you caught that. Faith complains, it laments, but it does so with not a small view of God or a questioning little tiny view of God, but with a big view of God and a great view of God's character. It's one of the things that has always impressed me about the prayers of complaint in the Bible is how big of a view the complainer has of God. That when you read the prayers of complaint, like this one here, or like the ones in the Psalms, that the complainer, the one who's offering this prayer of complaint, 
doesn't complain because he thinks God is small or weak. He doesn't look down on God. Rather, he looks up to God and he sees how great God is, how wise God is, how just God is, how wonderful God is, and then he calls God to act accordingly. And so faith wrestles with God with a clear view of God's character. That's how it works. That's really our first main lesson from Habakkuk that I want us to learn about faith that Habakkuk teaches us is faith wrestles with God with a clear and big view of God's character. And so as you walk with God this year, maybe beginning this week, I don't know your circumstances. Maybe maybe there are things going on in your life that are hard and are difficult and disappointing. And maybe God seems to have been silent. Don't Don't hesitate to lay out your lament and your complaint before God. Express those honest feelings. But like Habakkuk and like the psalmist, do so with a big view of God and a clear view of God. As one who who knows more than even Habakkuk knew because you have seen the fulfillment of God's promises to God's prophets and God's people in the coming of the Messiah. And you've you've seen God's mercy in laying down his life for you in the Messiah. Knowing all of that and knowing therefore how much God cares for you and cares for this world and how far God is willing to go to rescue you and rescue this world. Knowing all of that with that big view of God's care, God's love, God's mercy, God's power, God's wisdom, lay out your lament and your complaint before God. As you walk through 2021, if things don't go the way you expect or in those moments where disappointment hits, don't be afraid to lay out your complaint to God because faith in God is consistent with complaining to God, but it does so with a big view of God. And thus, as God's people, we walk with him honestly, uh, confidently sharing really what's going on inside of us as we try to understand God. The reality is God is infinite and we are finite. He is great and awesome and we are small and limited. And there's going to be plenty of times where we don't understand what God is up to. And that's right where Habakkuk is at. That's where Habakkuk is living. And God doesn't fully make sense. Now, as we walk through the other parts of Habakkuk in the next couple episodes of this podcast, we'll see how God responds to Habakkuk, how Habakkuk responds to God's response, and then we'll see what that teaches us about our walk of faith with God more and more. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I am so grateful to you for being a part of the Bible and Life family. Thanks to those of you who support this ministry by your prayers and your generous donations. Thanks a ton for for each and every one of you being a part of the Bible and Life family. God bless you guys. I hope you walk by faith in God this week, and I look forward to talking to you again next week.